Father, we thank you for the insight and wisdom you have provided for us in the pages of your word, our Bible. We ask that you would help us to maintain this information in our minds, that we would refer to it often uh, daily, Lord, and many times a day, so that we will always carry out your will. And in the area of relationships, Father, we pray that this would be even more so the case. It is so necessary that we preserve our relationships, not only for ourselves and our spiritual and physical health, but also for the health of our nation and for the witness to the world. So enable us, Lord, to be those witnesses through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week, I'm going to just kind of review. I want to make sure it's in context here. What I was talking about last time was the relationships between husbands and wives. And I told you that, well, some may not be married, some may be married, but you can always give this information, this wisdom to others who are out there that might be struggling. And I gave three areas, uh, and there's going to be more, but three areas that we're going to deal with are relationships, which is communication. We have a relationship because we communicate, whether it's verbally or non-verbally, we interact with each other. Then there's riches or money. Money is a stumbling block for Many of those who are married, at some point in time in everyone's marriage, there's going to be an issue with money. And then there is the respect, which equals love and submission. And coming from a biblical perspective, not from a worldly perspective, where the husband gets to rule the roost and the wife has to submit to everything that he says. But we'll give a, a biblical description of that. And then I gave you the scriptures, First Peter chapter 3, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5 and 6. And all of those, we won't go back over those too much. But I just want to make sure you know the addresses of where to go when there are issues inside of a relationship inside of a marriage. So the tongue or the communication or the speaks and I, the, the speech that we give to each other and behaviors to avoid as men. And I, I said all of those things that men should never say to women and all of those things that they should say. And hopefully this last week, if you were here for the message, you have turned to your spouse and you're talking a little more civilly. You're not cussing. You're not giving to name calling. You're, you're not having a terrible attitude towards one another and taking it out on each other. And I gave you examples of the Song of Solomon, how they were talking to each other in the Song of Solomon. And I'm sure some of you, I, I know as some of you left, you turned to me and said, we'll see you later, darling. Right? And, and that was just the men. That wasn't the women as they were leaving this place. And that's how they were talking in the Song of Solomon. And God wants us to speak in endearing terms uh, to one another. And if we do this on a regular basis, it engenders the love and respect. If we don't do that, there's just going to be a familial relationship one that is just more based on friendship, you can end up becoming more roommates than anything else. And sometimes if you get to the point where you're just roommates, it can turn a little bit hostile. Because if you've ever had a roommate before that wasn't your spouse, didn't you sometimes get irritated over your roommate that things that they would do or the things that they would say? Well, that happens in marriage normally, but if there's no endearing terms that are expressed to one another, it can kind of set the tone for years to come. And we want to make sure that we get out of that mode. Then I said there are things that are problematic for men. 
And those were uh, to exasperate their children. We frustrate them as men. We will tell them to do something which they are not capable of doing. And they can't do it in the speed in which we'd like them to do it. And so as fathers, as husbands, we get upset and a little uptight. And we become curt in our speech. And we can exasperate our children. And sometimes if they're small, they'll go away crying. Where a mother is nurturing to the child and much more patient. And as men, we need to garner more. We need to cultivate more that patience. And not to be overbearing, secondly, or demanding or threatening uh, to those we employ. And if we're doing that at our place of work, we will certainly be doing that in our home environment. And that's just the natural bent of men. That's why God tells us through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians and in Peter that we're not to be that type of individual. And also being harsh with our wives and not being considerate. We're supposed to be considerate with our wives because most of the time, what are we? Inconsiderate. And most of the time, we probably would be harsh had we not been given the information in Scripture where God says, don't act this way. Isn't it amazing that God has to tell us how to act with our spouses? We have to learn that. It's learned behavior. It's not anything that you just do. When you got married, maybe some of you didn't go through premarital counseling, what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, how to think about the other person, what not to say about the other person. All of these things, it, it is actually taught. Have you ever offended your spouse in something that you've said in front of someone else? You know, and that that's like a no, 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 you don't. That's three no's, by the way. That's something that you don't do. You don't bring an offensive statement towards your spouse in the presence of other people. You only lift them up. And I gave you that verse, Ephesians 4, 29. If you don't know it, you can go ahead and look that up. And I gave you that verse as well as James chapter 3. With a tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So those of us who professed Christ, we should not be cursing and condemning on one hand. And on the other hand, just praising and saying, oh, God is so good. That's being hypocritical. Now, at some point in our lives, all of us recognize there's some hypocrisy that dwells within God says, weed that stuff out. It's very difficult to do that because that's our nature. Our human fallen nature is to be all of these things that are contrary to the spirit. And we have to consciously say, I'm not going to do that. And we have to make strides towards that kind of behavior. Now, behavior that women uh, get involved in, I told you they have a tendency just because of their desire to rule over men they have a tendency to nag their husbands and remember i turned to genesis chapter 3 and verse 16 it says your desire will be for your husband which means a woman in a household a wife a mother she has things that she wants done and ways she wants things ordered and the woman is in charge of the house she is the one that's to make that house a home she sets the standard the husband and i'm talking about a nuclear family that is biblically based some of the stuff that i'm i'm giving to you here it would be considered sexist outdated chauvinistic and dominating as a male in a male society males would love this kind of thing but we haven't gotten to the die part for the man yet for the woman you know it's hard it's hard for a woman not to want to say things 
to get her husband to do things because she wants them a particular way. And the husband being a sinner, is he always going to be agreeable and say, yes, dear? I'm going to talk to you in a moment about what that means. If that actually happens inside of a relationship, there's a study that was done about that. And I'll get to that in a moment. But the women, they're not supposed to tear down their husbands with their words. A wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down, Proverbs 14.1. And, and we want to make sure, or the ladies want to make sure, that whatever words come off of their mouth, they're filled with respect and patience and endearing terms. Just like a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike, you know, it just it can grate on a man if a woman is just constantly at him for whatever the reason. If he's not doing something he needs to be doing or he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing, all of those things a woman wants to control. She wants her man to be a particular type of man. Now, that's, that's not wrong. It's just like a man wants his woman to be a particular type of woman. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. What? Like you own her? Well, yeah, you do. And the wife owns the husband. Scripture says your body is not your own. You belong to your spouse. And both of you belong to Jesus Christ. And if you, you know, that's, that's the one thing. You can't tell a woman what to do with her own body. Really? You can't? We pass laws every single day that tells men and women what they can and cannot do. Right? And, and so the society comes up with norms, with ethics of their own uh, creation that are completely contrary to Scripture, and we're expected as men and women to abide by those. Otherwise, we're outside of the mainstream. We're considered extremists. Like, for instance, if the husband is the head of the household and the woman is to submit to him, that's a biblical concept. But you have to understand what those two mean. But just on the surface, it's like, The husband just wants to oppress. The man just wants to oppress the woman. That's not the biblical example at all, but that's what the world will take it to mean, and it's all a ruse to get rid of solid morality from Scripture. They just want to get rid of it. They don't want any mention of God, any mention of the husband and wife relationship that is biblical in fashion or in practice. And these things the world actually hates. And there is a movement, the women's movement, it's starting to surface again, and these men are pigs, and, you know, they just go on and on like, really? How did you get here, by the way? It was a man that brought you here, probably provided for you. And at the same time, the woman, you know, we, we are not independent of each other. And if we start criticizing and denouncing and degrading each other, where were, will our society be? I can't tell you. If you start reading about loneliness and people who are single out there, and I've read posts from people, you know, they they end up in a relationship and they're just thrilled. It's the most thrilling time in their life to be able to do something like that, to communicate someone with someone. I, I just read a post from one person. He said, you know, it, it's great being married now. I don't have to go to bed alone. I have somebody to talk to when I get home. And for those who are married, you know, it, it, sometimes we don't understand what we really have because there's so much loneliness out there and we need to pray for those who are experiencing that loneliness because god loves them just as much as he loves the married couple 
And so for the woman, there's this old behavior, you know, the, the woman will justify her actions by saying, well, it's true, you know, he's a low life, he's a lazy bum, he sits around and he watches football games and he doesn't clean up after himself and the socks are over there in the corner and that's where they were last week and I left him there thinking maybe he'll pick them up and he doesn't pick them up. I mean, the woman can just go on and on and on, right? And then if she turns to her husband, and there's a, there is a list of things that she will go through to try to get her husband to perform. And I'll get to those in a minute. But this is the old behavior that we have to put in the past. And not just the women. The men need to put their old behavior in the past as well, the, the fleshly behavior. But you want to ask yourself as ladies, is it helpful? Even though he deserves it and it feels good to say these things, we need to make sure, all of us need to make sure that we uh, regulate our speech. And the new behavior, can it be said kindly? Is it the right time? And grace. Remember, we pour out grace to one another. And by the way, ladies, just as the men need to give the wives what they do not deserve and just bless them, the women need to give to their husbands words they don't deserve either. Just because Christ told us to do that. And you wouldn't consider your husband your enemy necessarily. Sometimes that may be the case. But uh, for the most part, as believers in Christ who are married, we are supposed to love our enemies. And so if you think at any time your spouse is your enemy, we have those guidelines from Scripture. And I gave you some uh, resets. I gave you six resets and reinforcements. I'll just briefly say what those are again we're to choose our words carefully we're to be considerate Uh, husbands are to treat their wives well and speak to them tenderly Uh, number four was never give full vent to your anger a fool gives full vent to his anger but a wise man keeps himself under control and that's one of the tasks for every man is to control himself as far as anger is concerned or have regulated the anger for a proper time. Like if a guy is in battle, you still don't want to give full vent to your anger because wisdom goes out the door when you do that. You want to operate and direct any anger that you have at the proper time, proper place. It's not wrong to be angry. It's wrong to be angry and sin in the midst of that anger. And there's a time for anger and there's a time to be happy. But we want to make sure that we're not directing just wantonly our anger towards our wives and being inconsiderate. Never give full vent to our anger. And then consider your spouse better than yourself. That's Philippians chapter 2. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but considering others better than yourselves. And never complain about anything concerning your spouse. You've heard me say this one too, along with Ephesians 4.29. Don't complain about anything, nothing. And you know how we get around this? I'm just telling you the facts. Instead of, well, you know, I'm really not complaining, but I need to let you know this. And we have to be careful. That is such a fine line, isn't it? And, And you have to ask yourself first, if you deliver that information... Will it help? Are you delivering the criticism in a helpful manner? Because we all need criticism. Criticism that is helpful, not criticism that is demeaning. We, like for instance, the, uh, the NA, I told you about the NA last week, never and always. 
It's never true. It's always correct. It's always wrong. You never do this or you always do that. That is not true. It is not the case that everybody always does something or never does something. There are cases where somebody will do something. But just to reinforce our madness, which is out there, we want to say, you never or you always, something like that. It's not true. It's never true that people always do something. You guys got that? So you don't want to use that in your battle. Because you're going to battle, you know, iron sharpens iron. There's going to be sparks. And it can either lead to a nice flame that warms the heart, or it can lead to a forest fire that destroys everything. And we have to make sure we are careful with our speech. And all you have to do is read the book of James uh, to be familiar with that. Now, going on with this, for the ladies, a little advice here. It is possible for women to win over their husbands in a couple of different areas. For instance, in the area of salvation, it's possible. It's not always the case, but it is possible that a woman can win over her husband to believe in Jesus Christ. It is also possible to win over her husband from anger and hatred and discord. It's possible, but it's not, in some cases, probable. I mean, we are sinners to the core. And unless God does a work in us, we will never change. It is also possible for the wives to get the woman or get the man to love them more by their behavior. Now, this is spelled out, and I already read this last week, but I'm going to read it again. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without the words by the behavior of their wives when they see two things, the purity and reverence. If a woman is pure, and, and what I mean is pure morally, she's not crass. She, she lives a life that God would say is pleasing in his sight. Now, I know many women consider Proverbs 31 unattainable. But God wouldn't put it in there if it was unattainable. I think the one that's more unattainable is be perfect as I am perfect. Oh, really? I'm supposed to be like God because he's perfect. Yes, that's what scripture says. The Proverbs 31, it gives a bunch of tasks that are in there, a bunch of deeds that a, a wise woman, a prudent woman performs, all of those things. But as far as being perfect, we know and understand none of us is perfect. We're not going to get it right. But if a woman practices being pure and reverent, reverent to everybody, uh, just from personal experience, I remember uh, going through high school and college years, you know, if you'd see a woman that was just loud and crazy, now some guys are attracted to that, but very few, and that's not the wife they're looking for. You get what I mean? They're looking for something else if they're looking for a woman like that, just wild and crazy, wild and crazy. And the, the women... Uh, that are married, that are wholesome, that are pure. Yeah, they they wild and crazy. I'm going to put two scoops of sugar in my coffee today. You know, it's, like, it's not like that either. You know, we want to make sure that a woman is just not given to the wild side of life, like drinking and carousing, woo, you know, throwing the arms, shaking the hands. Like, whose wife is that? 
you know, everybody would be talking. But if a woman, if she is circumspect, if she holds herself well, if she stands and she smiles, you cannot believe uh, from a man's point of view, when a man sees a woman who carries herself well, she is quiet. She is not just yelling and screaming everywhere. Uh, That for a guy is attractive. But the women who go up there and screech and scream, and it's just not something that a guy really is enamored by. I'm just telling you from the guy's perspective. Most men are like this. And you might say, well, how do you know? That's only anecdotal. Well, for being in ministry 26 years and just living life in general and the counseling that I've done, it's just a normal fact. Now, some men might disagree. I like my women wild. Well, okay, if that's what you like, God may grant you your request. But for the most part, godly women, they kept themselves pure and they had this reverence to everybody that was around, to their children, to their husbands, to their acquaintances, to people at work. They were reverently submissive. And there is power in that. Some women think that the power comes by just being loud and being a pushover to everybody else. You know, just get out of my way. That is not the case when it comes to relationships between men and women. But the world would tell you, no, women, you need to be strong. It's all about women. You know, just as a side note, and I don't want to get too political. What was the reason that everybody needed to vote for Hillary? You know, the main reason they said out there. Because she's a woman. I'm sorry. I wouldn't vote for somebody just because she's a woman or a man or a Martian. It doesn't matter to me what the gender, what the race is, any of that stuff. I want to know, are they moral in their views? Morality is defined by the Bible. I don't care what the gender is. And by the way, we looked it up the other day. You know how many genders there are? I think you said it, didn't you, Les? 64? 64 different genders. Don't ask me what they are. I, I really don't care. doesn't matter to me. But this, this idea, this identification, why can't we just look at people as people, you know, instead of putting them into all these categories? Okay, I digress. I'm going back. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine. Now, why would they... Why would Paul put this in there to Titus? Teach the older women not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine. Because they're slanderous and addicted to much wine. And those are the ones in the church. You know? And and so you want to make sure you're teaching the older women, don't be doing this. And this was back then. Where where is Titus going? He's going to uh, appoint elders and he's going to talk to the church. Do you expect the women outside the church to be able to live like this? No, they can't because they don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So apparently where Titus was going, these women were slanderers and let's have a wine party, wine tasting party. And they would just drink and imbibe, you know, And once you imbibe like that, then the slander starts, right? And so we want to make sure that the older women, they're taught not to slander, not to be addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So the older women are to teach who? The younger women. Why do they need to teach younger women? 
well, I don't know, right? They, they kind of, younger women, they are so easily influenced, not all younger women, okay? Like there's some really smart guys out there too. You know, you, you can do the same thing. Young, being young, there's foolishness in being young. And that foolishness needs to be weaned out of the children, both boys and girls as they raise up. And the older women teach the younger women. The older women teach the younger women how to talk, how to dress. Older women, how many of you have taught your daughters or granddaughters or girls around you, don't dress like that, that's not good, you're going to send the wrong type of signal? How many of you older women have taught girls that? How many in here? Two, three? Okay, we need all of you to just be teaching that. And the same thing with the guys. You know, the guys need to be teaching their sons, be a man. And if you say that today, you know, it's this gender inclusiveness out there these men need to be less masculine hogwash let these young men be men let them let them get out there put some boxing gloves on and box and wrestle and tumble and ride bikes and get hurt and all of that stuff we are such a protective society we want to pass every single law that we possibly can in order to keep our kids from getting hurt you know it's the hurts that develop us into who we're supposed to be. And so let the young men be men and let the young women be women in a godly fashion. And as they grow up, they will be adult men and women who God intended them to be. If we neglect that, our society is doomed. So God has set forth how we're to do this. It also says, then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. Why do the older women need to teach the younger women how to love their children and husbands? Because they don't know how. They don't know how to do it. Let me ask you, is a young woman self-centered or other-centered? Self-centered. You know, it used to be, I remember when uh, I was growing up, my mom, she would carry her purse and she'd want to refresh her lipstick so she'd pull out a little compact and that mirror would be there and she'd put on her lipstick. It's wonderful, great. She'd put that down. Guess what they use now? The phone. They hold the phone up and they look at themselves. Then they take a selfie and they go, look what I look like. And they send that out there. It's, it's totally self-centered. Is the, and men, young men are like that too. I'm, I'm not separating the sexes in this. A young person is completely consumed with themselves. It is their world. And it is a trial to pull out selfishness from the young person. Even the old person. The old person will argue until they die. You know, they're going to defend themselves. Well, what about me? I did it my way. You deserve a break today, you know. All of these slogans that are in commercials is directed towards self. And Christ said, no, forget about yourself. Worry about everybody else. Now, these are principles that are all set down in scriptures. It it also says to teach, the older women are to teach the younger women to be self-controlled and to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. And all of these opposites are what they're naturally doing. This is the same case today. All of these opposites, just, I'm going to read the list again. To be self-controlled, what's the opposite? Out of control. To be pure, to be impure. To be busy at home, to be busy everywhere else. To be kind, 
to be mean, to be subject to their husbands, to want to dominate their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. And this is our motivation. God is our motivation, not because somebody said so. And, and a young child, uh, as they start to grow up into adolescence and young adulthood, they always think, well, it's just you. You just want to control everything. That's all you are is a big controller. And they don't understand that it's for their benefit and for the benefit of society. That we raise them up and they always, it's so about them that they get offended and they very rarely receive in that age group what we're trying to teach them to do. That's why there's conflict. And you've got to train that selfishness right out of them. And again, if that's still prevalent in adulthood, the same thing applies. We need to try to instruct them how to get over that. And now women, I'm going to go back to women here in a minute. There, there's... The one I just gave to you was the spiritual way that women are supposed to act and how they're supposed to be raised up. And if they want their husband to do something, usually it's through purity and reverence and respect, they can get their husband to do something. But then there's the fleshly way that women try to do something or try to get their husbands to do something. Now, the first way that women try to get their husbands to do something is simply by asking, right? You just, you go up to them and say, could you do this, please? And the husband will either say, okay, yeah, I'll get to it in five minutes. Now, if a woman said in five minutes, how long is it? <laughs> See, if, you're, if you're rushing to get ready in the morning and she's, you know, putting on some makeup or something and she's fixing her hair and you go, come on, we got to go. Just give me five minutes, Right. Sometimes the five minutes gets it's a little stretched. And so that, that idea of five minutes, usually there's a simple asking process. If the woman goes through something and she says, I'd like this done, the first and best way is just simply ask. Don't shade it in words that are meaningless to men, right? You want to make sure that you are direct in your communication. Be specific Keep your words few. We can only follow so many words at one time as a man. Women, on the other hand, they can juggle sentences, paragraphs, all at the same time. But men, it's just linear in their thinking. This is what I need you to tell me. I can do this. I am task-oriented. A woman is relationship-oriented. So asking, even in Scripture, the Lord says, God, uh, it says, for the Lord, God is, is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. If your relationship is good, this applies to us as well. If our relationship is good, if the wife comes and asks the husband, he's probably just going to say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Give me, give me a second. I'll take care of it, right? That's usually the best way. Now, that's just a fleshly request. It's not wrong or right. You just make the request. What if she doesn't get it? Step two. Step two is, please, you never go, oh, come on. You know, I ask you to do stuff and you, you know, it just makes me so upset sometimes. You, it seems like you never get any, it's whining. First is asking, then it's whining, right? Whining or complaining. Now we already know Philippians 2.14 about whining and complaining. We're not supposed to do that. So first it's asking, then the husband says, no, I don't want to do that right now. You always do things for yourself, but you never do anything for me. You know, that kind of thing. So it's whining. If she doesn't get the whining, what does she do then? Usually it's anger. Well, 
you should be doing this for me. And you know the routine. You can go through this. And by the way, when I speak like this, there's nothing due under the sun. And if you say you've never gotten angry at your spouse, I know you've already broken one of the Ten Commandments. And so we know this happens. We know that there is not all sweetness and light in a relationship, in a regular, normal, marital relationship. There are going to be raised voices, and there's going to be disagreements. Now, some of these are going to take place, not necessarily in this order, not necessarily all of them, but they will all take place at some particular point in the woman's life where she is going to ask, she's either going to whine and complain, or she's just going to get downright angry. And she thinks that because she is angry, that's going to motivate her husband to do what she wants him to do. And what do you think it's going to do? It's not going to get him to do what he wants to do. Getting mad at your husband is not going to motivate him. Okay, she's mad. I better do something now. Little Mr. Milk Toast. I'm gonna... He's probably going to fight. He's probably going to turn it right back around. You want something and you don't get it. You kill and covet. Uh, this is James chapter 4. And you guys, all of us, we will fight with each other to get what we want. Because it's what I want. I want this now. James 1.20 says, For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now the woman will say, It's the man's anger. Let me read something to you. Genesis chapter 5 verse 2. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. Did you know that? So when it says a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. If you go to Genesis chapter 2, guess who's called man? Man and woman are called man. Now, there's even a move to get rid of that, right? Get rid of the male gender pronouns. We don't like those out there. It makes us feel like we're excluded, and I could be offended, and I may need some puppies and pudding. You know, would you just get over it already? We can call men men and women women. If you're confused about that, just check the DNA. It's in the DNA. That's all we need to know. Let's go on. From asking, whining, and complaining... Anger, what's the next one? Hurt. I'm so upset. You, you know, you just always take care of yourself and you never take care of me. And you get, get the tissue and, you know, you start wiping like that. And these are all, I, you can verify these. You know that these are true as we're going through this. And so the hurt and the tears and the sniffles and all that starts. And the guy goes, oh, come on. No, I got to deal with this. Oh, And so he gets a little frustrated. And then, you know what the next one is? She's tried everything else and it gets up to silence. You know, starts throwing things. She just won't say anything. She'll go through the house and she's whipping through there at a million miles a second. And she'll look at you and she'll just keep on walking. You know, all of these things happen. And so she has in her toolbox the asking, the whining, the anger, the hurt, the silence. And then it ends with retaliation. Fine, you can do your own clothes. Cook yourself your own meal. You can do that, can't you? I'm, don't ask me to do anything. You can't do anything for me. And so it's this retaliation thing. And guess what happens when it gets to the retaliation phase? It's full on fight. It's a two or three day mad, maybe a week. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know what I'm talking about. If you've gotten angry at each other, have you gone a day or two or three without talking to each other 
You exist in the same realm, but you don't talk. You look, but you don't talk. That's what, and then it just turns into this fight because the woman is not getting what she wants. And that's James chapter four. Now the man, he wants things too, right? And the man goes, he has his own set of things. Usually it's zero to anger. It's usually where it goes. He doesn't have all that stuff in between. He's kind of simple. A woman is a little more complex, but a man, if, if he's not getting what he wants, you know, he goes break something is what he does. Or whatever, he takes off and he just yells and he, he cusses if he's in the flesh. And, and all of that is unacceptable, just like the woman's stuff is unacceptable. Now imagine if you were respectful and you asked your husband, can I have this done, please? I, I really need your help in this. And he says no. What do you think he'd do if you turned around and said, okay, and you walked away? He'd probably go, what's wrong with her? Because she's walking away like that. And you show that reverence and respect. And you can go ask again. And if you can't get it done, usually I think women can be pretty resourceful on getting something done. It's this idea of control. The woman wants to control her man. And the man wants the woman to be submissive. Remember, it's in a worldly sense. And this is a, a, a result of the fall. And we're not supposed to operate that way. And what if you're doing everything you can possibly do to live the Christian life, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and your husband isn't fulfilling your desires? Well, I'd like to say in hindsight, choose carefully. But we're past that, right? And so God just says, if you're suffering unjustly, the Lord says, bear up under it. It's commendable if you do that. There are going to be some things that fall by the wayside, things that you can't get accomplished. And it's going to be hard. But you can possibly win your husband by the purity and respect that you show. And the husband, the same way, if the husband is endearing to the wife, she'll do virtually anything for him. You know, if when he comes home, I hope you guys, when you greet each other, those of you who are married, and if you're going to be married in the future, when you greet each other, you kiss and you embrace. And maybe a little longer embrace. And you rub the back. And it's so nice to have you home. And even though he may stink. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, you just kind of endure sometimes. But I'm telling you, it will add to your relationship. If you can do that. Now, going on here, we want to make sure that we're not repaying evil for evil or insult for insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so we want to make sure in a relationship that we are not paying evil for evil, but only blessing. And if we do that, the relationship would be good. So it is possible for the woman to influence her husband if she is pure and if she is reverent. And this is how the women of old used to make their, themselves beautiful. Now with this, 
I have 10 minutes here. Imagine if you had a case study, and in the case study, they put a couple together in a closed environment for 12 days. And in that 12-day period, they instructed the husband to be only and always agreeable to what the wife says. Then they didn't tell the wife that that's what they were doing. They simply asked the wife to write down her experiences. They did that, and every time the woman criticized the husband, the husband said, you're right, you're correct on that, I I need to change that. Every time she asked him to do something, he did it. He, He agreed with his wife on every single request she made of him. The test did not last the 12 days. This was an actual test. It did not last the 12 days. The man ended up becoming so severely depressed at the 10th day, they canceled the experiment. The woman didn't know that this is what the guy was supposed to do. And because he did that, because he constantly submitted to her, she became a dictating tyrant. She looked at him with disrespect. She had no respect after the 10th day for him whatsoever because he never pushed back at all. He was only agreeable. And so the fall that is talking about in the book of Genesis came to full fruition where she controlled everything that he did or said and he received every criticism, but it ruined him. He had to tell the people who were conducting the experiment this has to end. And he had to get medical help after this was over because he was so depressed. Now, what does that mean? It means every time your wife asks you to do something, argue with her. No, that's not what it means. It it means simply that the conflict in marriage, it's good. It makes us who we are. We just want to keep it in the proper confines. If there's criticism, if there's criticism to be delivered, deliver it properly. Don't degrade the person. Don't be demanding. Be loving. That's what this test, and by the way, this test, it was written about in a UK Lifestyle Newsletter. Uh, I'm trying to see the information. I have this down, uh, but I didn't include it here. But, you know, there, there are just ways that we think are so wrong. Like if the husband was completely submissive to the desires of the wife, there would be trouble. The man would be severely depressed and it would not do well for them whatsoever. And so we want to make sure that we have a proper balance when it comes to marriages or relationships and communication and how we say what we say. We want to make sure we're not going off on some realm and listening to the world's wisdom. That's the last place you should get marital counseling from or relationship counseling from is from the world. Do not go to a psychologist to try to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Even when I took psychology, I took a couple of psychology classes, both in college and in seminary, and both of them were completely bankrupt. The first one that I took, it was excellent at diagnosing what exactly the symptoms are and categorizing them. Like this is a particular problem, this is what you see in this particular psychological problem, and you can be aware of that. When they'd go for the fix, 
The fix would never be working. And by the time I took my first psychological class or psychology class and I took my last one, the first one didn't deal with the problems correctly. And the second one, they had changed everything that they knew the previous 20 years. They said, that's not going to work either. So this is what we want to do. And they actually said in the class, we're just kind of floating right now. We don't know how to solve these problems. And they never want to call it sin. And this was the last one was in a biblical counseling class and they're using psychology And I've relayed this story to you before. I asked the professor, I said, so what did Christians do before psychology was invented? And he turned to me and he said, the question is irrelevant. And he went on. And I thought, isn't this a biblical counseling class? And see, even in the church, even in the seminaries, they're teaching us how to deal with things that are contrary to the Bible. The Bible says if you're having conflict in your marriage... Humble yourself. It also says if you're experiencing difficulty and you don't know how to get out of it, bear up under it. Now, I'm not saying if a woman is being abused, she should bear up under it. Get out and get out yesterday, if that's the case. If you have a husband that is unruly and you are in danger, get out. There's no question in my mind that that's what God would have you do. Kids may be in danger, whoever may be in danger. But this is what God tells us to do in Scripture. I've given you the Scriptures that he gives us our guidelines by. But remember, the reason we have conflict in our communication and it blows up into fights that last two or three days is because we want something and we're not getting it. And God says, consider others better than yourself. So the application when it comes to relationship here, it's important for a man to take the lead. And it is important for the woman to be submissive. If the woman takes the lead and the man is submissive, even in secular studies, it harms the relationship. Now, how does he take the lead? Biblically. How does he do it? By dying. Not physically, even though if that may be the case, he needs to do that too, but he needs to die to himself. And the woman can lovingly be submissive to the husband In those cases. Next week, I'll talk about finances or riches, and then we'll go on to the idea of love and respect after that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the insights that it provides, and help us to just take away, scrape away the influences of the world and what the world says, because we understand they're completely bankrupt. And it seems like the world doesn't even know where it's going. They're reaching for this theory and this solution. Father, we know that there is nothing profitable in this world. So much so you're going to destroy everything that's here. So, Father, help us to be focused on you, your will, your word. Listen to your Holy Spirit. When we have conflict, Lord, help us really to die to ourselves, both partners, and live for you in the midst of difficulty. Help us to speak correctly words that are fitting, words that are uplifting. And with your help, Lord, we'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen.